Hello, we are back with another episode of Pep Talks. We are here today with Team Frogs from Germany. There, we are Team Frog Robots of Germany from Germany. <laughs> uh, we're Team 101A3, and um, the frogs are quite obviously our mascot. Um, and yeah, I'm not exactly sure what to say in this. That's point. fine. It's Maybe we can introduce ourselves. Yeah, again. we can introduce yeah. ourselves. Yes. Um, well, yeah. So uh, my name is Leah, and I'm completely new to this team and to FTC in, in general. Uh, my name is Kati. Uh, this is my third season of FTC. And I'm, well, I'm sort of involved in nearly everything. Um, but yeah. I'm Tobias. This is my fourth season of FTC. And my main task is programming, but I also do other things. Because we are a small team with only five members, everyone has to do a bit of everything. Okay, so you are, uh, before the podcast, you were talking about uh, how you have four teams in your school. How do you usually get along with all your other teams in the school? Um, well, it's quite harmonic, so we all get along with each other nearly always. <laughs> um, well, um, like we ha only have one room in which all the teams um, like do their stuff, and every team has got one table, and um, the materials we sort of share them all together. There are like shelves where all the things are stored, and yeah, it works quite well that way. There are a lot of friendships between different teams, so um, it's also just a very personal connection to the other teams, and we're really having fun when um, all of us are there. Um, yeah. Did you have a time where you had to battle like uh, the other teams for parts? Yeah. You know, the, uh, a lot of the time FTC is uh, really limited in the parts you have to use, and did you have conflicts while finding parts for your robot? Uh, occasionally, but that rarely happens. So uh, usually there is enough, there's either enough materials for every team or we um, have sponsorings that cover material costs. So we tell our coach to maybe order some uh, linear slides. Uh, we recently actually bought, I think, six linear slides because everyone wanted to use them. Um, so we got some new ones, and that was, um, yeah, that worked really well because with four teams um, all uh, doing a bit of sponsoring work, you do have a few sponsors that you can rely on for material costs. So you share uh, the the fundraising, you, you do it together and you share the money? Okay. Yeah. I see what your robot in the background, can we see? Okay, uh, so, okay. Uh, I think we might have to go to the side a bit uh, for that, but we have our robot in the background, yes. Uh, the group is not attached at the moment, we were just building and yeah, so we're currently not exactly having the gripper there, but uh, we have the drivetrain with a couple of linear slides and the expansion and, and control hub here. Um, okay, I can quickly put it. Yeah, that, 
really cool. Thank when, you. <laughs> when you design your robot, uh, what are the steps you take? Like, what is your robot design process? Mm -hmm. uh, I think the first um, step is brainstorming. The most important step is just collecting all of the ideas we either see elsewhere or we have from pre previous season or things that people just can't come up with. Um, then I think there's something that you've been doing quite a lot this year, um, drawing um, some kind of, well, drawings <laughs> to drafts, draft, yeah, uh, to establish what these ideas may look like. So you can maybe describe something like that. Yes, um, for ideas that are not the simplest thing, we often make some drawings how it should look like, how it should work, and how we could possibly build this. Do you do any CAD before building the robot, or you just go there and hands-on build? Depending on the season. So usually we first start building and build the CAD along the way. Um, but there are sometimes parts that are first designed in CAD and then, for example, uh, printed so that we have those parts uh, because otherwise that just wouldn't work. But most of the robot is first built and then um, in the process also designed in CAD. Okay, okay, but more importantly, does it have a name? <laughs> um, so Frog Robots of Germany, well, the acronym is great. <laughs> the acronym is just frogs and it's uh, that, that's quite amazing. Um, also, the school mascots are actually frogs. So um, every fifth grader, when they go to our school, they get a little frog, um, like those plushy, plushy frogs. Um, uh, <laughs> and they can keep them till they graduate and then bring them to school and show that they still have them and all that. It's it's really cute. It's really a cute tradition. And since the frog is our school mascot, um, we also decided that we wanted to have the frog established in our team. Um, the story of the school mascot is actually kind of funny um, because our school used to be an only girls school and it's quite in the center of our city. Um, so when the girls walked home from school, um, they always had the green uniforms and they wore them through all of the city, right? So uh, people in um, our hometown used to say, oh, there are the frogs going. Um, so that's how um, the frogs became our mascot. And yeah, it's, it's just a really nice tradition. And also we had a predecessor team called What the Frog? And they were great. <laughs> They were amazing, honestly. Um, so, yeah. Okay, okay, but why doesn't the robot have me? Um, sorry, I didn't get your question. Uh, just why doesn't the robot have a name? Oh, um, usually it always does. This season, we haven't <laughs> yet entirely decided for a name. Uh, last season's um, name was Quoxy. Uh, the year before Goffy and before that Kermit. Kermit, well, <laughs> I think that's quite obvious. Then Goffy, well, Goff is just frog um, backwards. So, you know. <laughs> okay, that, that's good. 
Yeah, this season we're still thinking about it. We recently had um, uh, an experience with a plant called Elfriede. So we're thinking about naming our robot after the plant. <laughs> but we're not sure yet. <laughs> we named our robot before even. Yeah, it was a suggestion uh, of our mentors to name all the robots we made. We make it's actually not a really good idea because we get emotionally attached to them. Yeah, and when we have to uh, break them and uh, make a new one, it's uh, pretty uh, exhausting and uh, emotionally. It's not exhausting. It's sad. It's very <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of hard to decide whether it should be a girl's name or a boy's name because obviously all of the girls want a girl's name and all of the boys want a boy's name. And so we like we agreed on naming it. Uh, we actually split the prototype was named after a boy and uh, the real robot was named after a girl. So we have equality in our Yeah. Team. Usually we have the 3D printers named after um, girls and the uh, robots named after boys. But... We have to make a change. <laughs> okay, that's really um, cool. Um, I, oh, sorry, I'm very sorry for interrupting you. Please go on. Oh, totally fine. Oh, totally fine. Sorry. Um, so we never had that discussion, funnily enough. Um, when we were an all girls team, which was three years ago by accident, sort of, <laughs> we actually uh, th that was the season when the robot was called Kermit. Um, which is well, I'm not exactly sure whether it's it's probably a male name, right? I'm not 100 sure, um, but usually the names are sort of neutral, so it's kind of okay. Yeah, in our countries, mostly like uh, most names ending in A are for girls, and the other names are for uh, boys, and there's a firm separation between them. There aren't a lot of common names, so uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, fighting when it comes to choosing names for printers or other stuff like that. Uh, now we have a question for you. We were really wondering, how does the community respond to your team? Uh, do they support you? Do the school support you? Uh, do they promote you on social media or stuff? How do you do this outreach and uh, how do you promote your team? We can't. Sorry, we uh, couldn't hear you. Can you speak maybe louder or closer? Okay. Uh, so our school really tries to support us. Um, they, well, they show um, that we're there. We're actually always a big factor why uh, new fifth graders come into the school. Um, so there was um, my brother's in fifth grade at the moment at our school, and one of his classmates said he only came to the school because of FTC and because he found that really, really cool. So that's great. And that's a success. Um, and our school tries to show that our school isn't really on social media um, in the first place. So they can't, for example, promote us there. Um, but we do a lot of outreach via social media. We try to post a lot. This season, it's a bit less than last season, I think. Um, but it still sort of works. Um, and also, we go to lo local affairs. 
Last year, we were in um, Würzburg at the Highlights der Physik. That was um, really amazing. It was basically an event to promote physics and to promote different things you can do with physics. So robots are part of that, <laughs> and, uh, as we put it. So we went there, um, and that was really cool. And we really talked to a whole lot of people who actually were really interested in this. Um, We also went to science trainings for teachers um, a couple of times and actually inspired two new teams in our city to start FTC, um, which was really cool. Um, we're really happy that that worked. Um, yeah, I, what else? We also have, well, FTC just isn't that famous, so there are not that many platforms that um, listen to everything that you need to know about FTC to in order to be able to promote it in the first place. But sometimes when the news last year, especially after we uh, went to Houston, there were, um, I think, three news, um, well, news outlets. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that actually interviewed us. That was really cool. Um, yeah, that's the main outreach parts. But there are also many other, well, not many, but there are some other teams in our area that we have contact with, especially in the Netherlands and um, the teams of the sister of our coach. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we read that uh, like in Germany, there are like six or eight or 10, I don't know, FTC teams. So we were wondering since there are so many, no, not so many, uh, so little teams, uh, how, do the, uh, how do the community perceive you? Like, do they consider you more valuable or do they encourage to forming other teams or how does it, uh, how does the, um, I don't know, your target audience respond to you? Um, well, most of the target audience we have um, are basically people that don't know FTC. Um, so, What we're doing is introducing them for the first time to the concept, and then they really find the ideas really cool. Um, there isn't that much of um, a German FTC community due to, well, just having so few teams. Um, there's one team in the north of Germany where nobody really knows whether it exists anymore or not. <laughs> so we're not even sure about that. So that's really sad. Um, But we've been participating in the Netherlands, for example, for years, and we're just sort of a part of the community, I think, at this point, uh, which is honestly great. We can't be at all of the Dutch events, obviously, because it's expensive and far away to go there. So we need to uh, go eight hours by car, I think, um, so six to eight hours, depending on where we want to go. Uh, so that's just quite far away. Uh, But online, we're a lot involved with the Dutch FTC teams. And um, within the German community, well, nearly half of the teams are at our school. So <laughs> community-wise, it's fairly easy. And we also had a training camp together with two teams from our coach's sister that I just mentioned. Um, so that are already six out of, well, currently, we definitely know of eight teams existing, eight to nine teams. Um, then two teams have uh, had a change in coaches, so we're not exactly sure what's going on there, but we're still trying to contact the coach there. And there's one team, um, one new team this year, hopefully, as far as I've heard from uh, Karlsruhe, which is actually not that far away. Um, we haven't contact, um, contacted 
them yet because other teams in Germany have done that. Um, but we're basically always very welcome at Dutch competitions or at also Spanish competitions. Spanish competitions, for example, are really interesting because, um, well, nine teams aren't enough to build a German competition, so we always have to go elsewhere. And in Spain, um, there have been, I think, two competitions we've went to over the past couple of years. There are teams from Italy, from California, actually, uh, from the Netherlands, from Spain, um, Cyprus, I think, Malta. Um, so there are teams from everywhere. And since it's a very international community, we're just naturally a part of that. And that's really great, honestly. And at American military bases, um, well, we sometimes go to American military bases because they are fairly close. Um, and there are obviously a lot of American teams there sometimes also Dutch teams and a couple of German teams. But since this airbase, these airbases are, well, technically in Germany, um, it's kind of perceived to be normal to have German teams there. So uh, I, I really wanted to ask you, what was your experience in Houston? Because uh, I saw that you qualified for the Worlds. Worlds and... Uh, what was the your most uh... what what are you trying to ask me? One second. How was the experience there? Yeah. <clears throat> like did, did it live up to your expectations or were you disappointed? What did you expect to see or what did you see? Just in general, some thoughts of you. Of your of yours. <laughs> You may be. Could you maybe uh, come closer to the microphone? Yeah, so we can hear you. So it was an amazing experience, and also a lot of things are new for us because we weren't in the United States before that. So there were a lot of things that were not how things were here. Yeah, but it was an amazing experience to go to the world and meet a lot of new teams and also see teams we had contact with before. Yeah, um, I mean, 180 teams on the world finals are just so much. I think the biggest competition we've had before that were like 30 teams or something. And that always already seemed quite big. So 180 teams was so amazing. Um, we actually had a lot of technical issues, probably also due to transport. Um, but yeah, that happens and that was fine. Our main goal was going there and we were very, very happy with that. Um, we actually lost most matches However, we lost the matches with quite high points, actually. There was, for example, a match that we lost uh, while having 235 points, which is higher than some teams who've won during the semifinals, for example. We just weren't exactly lucky um, because uh, the other teams were always really, really good, um, which obviously is the world's finals. It's the world finals. They were all amazing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, it was so so incredible to see all of that and to also see the atmosphere of just 180 teams um, and all of the people there being in the room, being um, 
people who enjoy the same thing and who just know the thing that you've been doing and it's it's amazing it's it's just honestly incredible the US in itself also was an interesting experience because well to be as mentioned none of us had been to the US before except for our coaches and going to the uh, going to the US for the first time and then going to Texas specifically <laughs> there are a lot of changes <laughs> everything was so huge um I think we were having quite a lot of fun with a gallon of water. You usually can buy like one liter of water, right? Yeah. And then suddenly you've got 3.7 liters of water. <laughs> um, so we actually had bought a gallon of water just because we were slightly amazed also by the like huge packages and all of that. And then realized half an hour before like safety checks and everything on the way back that we hadn't started drinking it. <laughs> so we had to drink 3.7 liters of water um in like half an hour <laughs> um yeah so that was quite funny um and everything's just so massive the cars are massive the roads are incredibly huge um even within a city the roads are as big as the highways here And that was just so, so, so incredible. Um, yeah, also the houses and all the differences within Houston were very big. Um, you have those huge skyscrapers on the one hand, oh. and two streets further away, you've got homeless people that are really struggling with a lot of uh, things, obviously. And um, that was really interesting to see. Yeah, well, you know what they say in America, the land of the free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We actually had a colleague from our sister team who was awarded with uh, she was a team semi-finalist. And he had like two weeks to raise the money to go there. Uh, so I'm quite curious what did you do to actually get there? How 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 uh, how did you get the money to get to Houston? Mm-hmm. Um we were told that we could go four weeks before um, the world finals. So we really were short on time as well. Um, we wrote, I think, over a hundred emails and um, within three days to different companies to just get sponsoring. <laughs> we also wrote, I think, about 200 letters to different companies. Um, But what was the most effective thing we could have possibly done and what was honestly great, one of our team members had the idea that we could um, ask the parents of the, uh, of the, the children here whether at their companies uh, where they work at, there are people who are interested in FTC and would like to sponsor us. But th because the thing is, you can write as many sponsor emails as you want. The most important things are contacts. And... Through the parents, we had those contacts. So we, for example, um, got a lot of money from the Deutsche Bahn, uh, which is basically the main company for trains um, in Germany. They are famous for always being late. And we, hon <laughs> we honestly weren't exactly sure um, how that was happening, but we kind of got a lot of money from them. <laughs> and that was really amazing. And there are actually quite a lot of, um, yeah, companies, organizations that try to sponsor students, um, it's just really hard to find them. 
and you need to have contacts and then things can work out and that was it was really stressful. Um, so the main people in, in our team responsible for sponsoring during that time was one team member who left the team this year because he's graduating and me. And we were both so, so stressed out after I think one and a half weeks. <laughs> but we managed it and it worked. And yeah, that's the most important thing. Uh, also, I have a question is a bit off topic. You said you uh, you got an on a control hub. How did you manage to get one? Because there are teams that struggles for like years to get one. How did you manage to get one? This is personal. Yeah, yes. yeah. But when when we had the money to buy one, we couldn't buy one, and we could when we could buy one, we didn't have the money. And they raised the prices as well. Like it was uh, two hundred dollars, and now it's three uh, fifty, I think. Uh, well, that was actually quite difficult for us as well, partially, um, especially having four teams at our school who partially participated at the same competitions. Well, you need to have quite a few control hubs, right? Um, our school has participated in first global uh, competition, first global challenge, not exactly sure, mm -hmm. um, but at this first global thing, uh, organization. Um, actually, this year's team in, is from our school and they're currently there and they're currently participating and they're great. Um, they're actually from one of the older teams at our school. Anyway, um, there were always control hubs and expansion hubs being used there. So we could use them actually from the old 2018 FGC robot, I think. Oh. So that was one control hub we got. Then we borrowed one from Ansbach, um, which is um, a military bases uh, in Bavaria that um, said they had actually one spare one. So we were able to get that one. And um, I think we bought another, uh, I think we bought one or two other ones. Um, but it took quite a while actually for us to, um, but yeah. Also, um, this season we had to give the uh, control hub back to the team from Ansbach because they have been one more team now, um, so they needed themselves. And well, we have a first global team this year though, where there are control hubs in there, so that works. Like being in European in the European country, how do you usually uh, plan out to get the parts from? USA. I mean, there are there are a lot of parts like from Rev, Gobilda, that are really nice, but it takes a long time to come to the yeah. Europe. And how do you usually usually plan uh, your on uh, doing the order? Order. Well, yeah, we've had that problem before. Yeah, um, absolutely. We can really relate to that. Also, the playing field takes weeks. That's also a big thing. Um, so for the playing field. Our coach always prints, for example, a cone or a cube or whatever we need that year um, for us to test how big that is. Um, the rest of the playing field, well, we're just waiting for that. Um, we currently actually have one. Uh, we also always share the, our playing field with another team from, uh, with two other teams from um, our coach's sister's school. Um, so we always have half a playing field for four teams, uh, which is sometimes a bit of a struggle, but it usually works. Um, yeah, uh, otherwise we just plan really carefully what we need. We try to use as many materials as possible from, well, 
for things that are not ref or something where we don't need to have those long waiting times. Um, but we print a lot of uh, 3D things. I think you're really the expert on 3D printing in our team. Um, so that's something um, we always try to do. And yeah, sometimes we, well, very often actually, we do order from uh, any mark or ref and all of that. Um, yeah, then we just have to wait. It, there's there's nothing you can really do about that. It's 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 quite sad. At least we haven't found any, anything yet. Um, yeah, we also just use quite a lot of the materials from the pre previous seasons, and then it always kind of works in the end. I was actually curious, how do you guys manage with the uh, programming team? Like, how do you program the robot throughout the season? So. Um... We use Android Studio, and so everyone should be able to program a bit. But I'm the main programmer, and I do most of the things. But I'm also teaching the rest of the team. So next season, other team members can also program what. Yeah. Um, the problem is both of us are graduating this year, so um, we have to pass on the knowledge. <laughs> yeah, um, we, we have the same problem as well. We are currently two programmers here. We have to program in the team, and we need to, when uh, we graduate, we need to have some sort of uh, continuity, continuity yeah. to pass the knowledge. And uh, we've been struggling to finding someone that is willing to come on in the lab weekly to program the robot. And uh, how is the curricula in your uh, school? Like, uh, well, do you, does uh, the programming classes in your school help with the FTC programming? Or do you have any programming classes? Well, technically, we should have programming classes. We should have one year of informatics in seventh grade, and then from eighth to tenth to twelfth grade, no, to eleventh. Sorry, um, we can choose whether we want to have something related to that. However, the reality looks different. <laughs> um, most of the time, you learn to program with Scratch, actually, which is really a pain. It's it, it's it's kind of terrible, <laughs> and if you do learn something about Java, for example, then it's it's really the, the really basic stuff like how do you draw a triangle or something. Um, so programming classes are maybe great to introduce somebody to a system, um, to the system of. You know, Java, how it generally works, but it, it's not that helpful for FTC, though. Also, there are no real examples of what you would program in reality, but only some tasks that are that have absolutely nothing to do with reality. So we also have not a lot of experience for, from the... Programming classes. 
We actually have like seven programming classes per week, but they're all in C++ and competitive programming, so they don't really help us either. Yeah, we actually are an informatics-based school. Like we are the only school in our city that uh, uh, that takes uh, seven hours a week of programming. But we got uh, some. Well, uh, me and Arman got so good at them that we don't even have to go at them anymore. So we just go to the lab and work on on one our robot. Uh, because in our country, uh, the classes are basically uh, algorithms and uh, data structures. So basically, they are teaching us how to get how to pass an interview at the company, which is very useful. But after you learned all the all, all it is to learn from school, you you just don't go anymore. <laughs> like it, it's basically very funny when uh, we uh, got to learn trees, for example, some of some subject that is learned uh, in eleventh grade. Uh, and I was curious how how did you learn to program? That you said the the. Uh, computer science classes are not very good. How did you manage to learn the programming? To learn to program? Um, I learned it with these Arduino microcontrollers because my father got one and then I was then I saw how great it is and also learned programming. So this was mostly C and C and I learned Java to program things for Minecraft. But it also helps if you know another programming language before this. And in the school, we only did Scratch and then some Java basics, but we don't, we haven't learned what a class is. <laughs> Oh yeah, that took, they taught us after five years of computer science what a class and is and what an object is. It was, uh, yeah, that was slightly a struggle to put it nicely. Um, I think some people who also start by um, playing around with the MIT App Inventor and then getting interested into the general like concept of. I do something and then it does something and that's cool. <laughs> and then they try to teach themselves about programming languages. And, and I actually know a few people in Germany that that's not FTC related exactly, but they are also interested in programming um, because they need it for astrophysics actually. So um, they, they taught themselves Python, I think, and also a couple of other programming languages. Um, because they just needed a lot of information for astrophysics and astrophotography. Yeah, I think it's the same on, uh, on our country. Like we uh, we got to use classes uh, just in 12th grade, if I think you learn it, or in, in 11th grade, like it's the same like you. And then we start programming at ninth grade. Yeah, I think you they- You can start in fifth grade actually. Yeah. So it takes like eight years to learn. Yeah, one. and I think they just assume you learn it from college. Mm. Yeah.
Yeah, now on a more non-technical side, uh, I was wondering, because I saw on your guys' Instagram that you are not just members of the same robotic team, you are also friends. And I was wondering if you do other activities besides the work that you do in your laboratory, like together? Like team building, so. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So um, I think main aspect of team building that we all have time for at the same time is probably lunch. Um, it's incredibly refreshing to just go out of the school and have lunch together, um, which is something we actually also do with the other teams. So um, then we had the trainings camp, for example, um, that was incredibly helpful. And it was really fun to go into the forest um, together and take quite a few pictures of mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, it's um, basically just that we go like for three days into a Yelf hostel and there we can start building a robot and meeting um, the team of our coach's sister and yeah, just also doing some team building stuff, which is very interesting. I think many people within our team are also friends. So I think uh, you have a Minecraft server where also Frida and Florian are on. Yes, and um, also... Um, members of the other teams at our school. Yeah, so um, there are definitely friendships um, building around FTC. Um, one of the team members I just mentioned, um, she first joined us uh, while going to Houston because uh, to go for H to Houston, you needed to be vaccinated and two of our team members weren't vaccinated. One person just messed up with um, getting the appointment for that. And one person has slightly <laughs> critical parents there which was yeah a bit of a discussion um so we had to take another team member from another team at our school and we already knew her and we um liked her a lot and she thought about joining our team this year um she now has and i talked a lot <laughs> to her on the plane you know you've got those 13 hours there and nine hours back <laughs> there are quite a few things you can talk about <laughs> Um, also, when we're away in competitions together, um, yeah, that, that's really important for team building. And in our day-to-day -day lives, I, yeah, we also meet apart from FTC. Um, I, I would say we are all friends. So you told us uh, before the interview started that you basically live in school. Uh, <laughs> I was... Uh, I want. I wanted to know what is your wildest uh, memory of uh, just staying in school late, or uh, when when nobody is in, uh, nobody else is there. Okay. Um, we. I, I also mentioned that we have had sleepovers in school before, right? Um, both of them were actually quite funny. <laughs> so for my first one that was three years ago um i was in ninth grade back then i was 13 slightly terrified of what the what ftc was and all of that um so my team decided to um have a sleepover in school and we said okay we'd watch star wars in the evening um on like a huge whiteboard and all of that that's like really cool because we've got access to classrooms um so we did that and thought uh, and i think we talked about um what would happen if someone came in right now so we said okay um if someone came in right now they would first kick us out and second 
Th- that conversation would be very weird. <laughs> During a very exciting uh, scene of the film, suddenly the door opened very slowly. <laughs> And we were all incredibly panicking. So one of our team members actually said, had I been 70 years older, I would have gotten a heart infarct right now. (laughs) Well, it was just somebody from the cleaning staff. No teachers, nobody who could cause, uh, who would cause us any problems. Um, And nothing was going on. So that that was completely fine. But we all um, were so scared. Um, So yeah, the next morning, nobody should have been in school till 10 because that was the day before Christmas or something. So we had later school um, at 9.50. So we assumed, okay, we can sleep till eight and then somebody might go in, right? Yeah, um, at half past seven, I woke up actually and um, just got myself something something to drink. Um, suddenly I hear a key in the door turning around <laughs> I was uh, just thinking oh damn it somebody with a key is here and that's that could be two people our coach or any other teacher oh uh, and wait one uh, team member from another team um it was our coach um at this point I had very quickly uh, gotten back into um but like to the others, um, lay down and thought, okay, nobody's going to see me. I'm, I'm just <laughs> pretending to be just like the other ones. <laughs> um, so I, our coach described it um, the following. Um, he walked in, saw a pair of shoes and thought, okay, wait, what? <laughs> then he saw a rucksack and thought, okay, so- somebody is, something is wrong here. <laughs> and he stood for, I think, 15 seconds in the doorway. And then just quietly ask, can I turn on the lights? Oh <laughs> <laughs> um, the second sleepover was just as chaotic, actually. So that was actually the day before the summer holidays, one school year later. Um, and on the e- in the evening, we realized that the teachers were having um, a teacher party that evening at our school when we plan to do this. So they would be walking around all of the school all the time till maybe 1 a.m. or something. Um, And we were slightly panicking. Um, So we said, okay, we just have to clean up uh, our room before the summer holidays. So that's why we're there for quite a while. And then we also just kind of want to celebrate the end of the school year. So we might watch a film then. That should be fine, right? yeah so at eight um we thought okay at this point it's getting slightly suspicious maybe for some teachers that we're still in school so we walked around uh, we walked out of the front entrance through the teacher's party said (laughs) goodbye to everyone and tried to make as many people as possible see us going out of the school then we took a back entrance that is usually closed that you can only open from inside of the school. <laughs> it got back in, uh, got into our uh, lab, um, closed it all there, and then just hoped nobody would see us. <laughs> the thing is, we then watched um, a very terrifying action movie. <laughs> that was slightly scared. Um, so actually, there were some teachers um, that saw us walking around with pizza, but... 
they, they didn't care. They they were fine with that. Uh, so th those two stories were kind of uh, the ones I remember most, probably. <laughs> they were really good stories, and it was really funny to hear them. I vividly remember being locked in the school at one point last year. Yeah, we usually jump through the windows because there are a lot of times where nobody knows we are in school and they lock us in. Mm. It had some great ways to get out of school. Sorry. So sorry. It's okay. It's okay. I finished. Yeah. Uh, our school actually has doors that you can always open from the inside. So you can always get out, but not always get in. Um, still, if you walk out of the front door, then people will see you and they're not happy. So we've got um, one Lego room that we used to be in as FTC teams and our current working room. Um, our co current working room is in second floor, which is not great to jump out of, of a window, right? <laughs> so there's an issue there. Uh, but the other room is uh, basically in the basement. So uh, there are windows that go directly on, on the street of the other side of the school, actually, which is perfect to go out at, uh, too late in the evening. So yeah, that's great. But how do you close the windows when you go out of the windows? You don't. That's been an issue. Um, ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's basic. You or you don't, or uh, we have a, a weird locking mechanism where you can open it from the inside, and when you close it, close it, it closes it automatically. But it doesn't always work. So uh, mm -hmm. kind of hope that nobody's going to jump through the window. They are very small. Like you can uh, see them on the camera. They are like, I don't know, one meter. Why? Half a meter. Like when you jump, you're like in the movies, you have to throw your backpack and then jump through the window because you don't fit with the backpack on. It's okay, me. that's really funny. Yeah. Um, uh, do you all have any more questions? Do you have questions for us, maybe? Because we asked you a lot of questions, but do yeah, you? Yeah, um, sure. So actually, um, how is the team atmosphere in Romania? Because I mean, there are so many teams in Romania, right? So how does that work? How's the system there? Uh, so uh, we have, in Romania, we have like 300 teams at the moment. 200, but 250, yeah. That actually make it to the regionals. Uh, and then at the, at the nationals will have this year like 170 teams to 190. Uh, it, it's actually really weird because yeah. in, in my first two years I thought it, it was really competitive and later I found out after going through the remote uh, uh, games and when we actually That's went the traditional there, uh, events. Uh, traditional, we found out that it was actually cooler to collaborate with other teams yeah. and uh, actually talk to them, meet them, and uh, uh, make events with them. So yes, so now that the pandemic doesn't really pose a problem, that it's not that big of a problem anymore in Romania. Uh, we actually collaborate with teams all over the country. We're actually leaving next week. We yeah. have an eleven-hour train ride. 
and 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 we arrive at 3 a.m. in the morning just to go uh, meet uh, other teams for an event they're making, and mm-hmm. it's actually really cool. And I I hope that we get some nice experiences from them, and I hope we don't get lost in the city. <laughs> and some teams actually uh, organized the. Uh summer camp this summer yeah it was really cool that uh, being a lot of teams in our country there are a lot of events where uh, a lot of our teams get together and uh, not only talk about ftc but about our lives in general and stay at the campfire and so that's, that's really cool yeah and uh, it's really cool actually having a lot of uh, teams to talk to and to meet throughout the summer or of the year and we can being so many teams we are actually we have so many co- coalitions like we have one that's named the ecosystem like echo and stem ah uh, okay yeah i see uh, and uh, we organize we we organize events together so we have a bigger impact and then at the end of the year it's not really a competition for us we all work together and then we're so happy for the people who win. Like, and to give you guys a better uh, idea of how it uh, works, like we have some uh, regionals. Like we have, we've been split in three different championships from all across the country. And after that, to national championship, to the national championship, uh, one hundred teams or so are qualified, and then championship a national championship is uh, equal to a state championship in america so like are, only three only no. teams qualify from the whole 250 uh, teams. teams in our country yeah. so uh, it some, sometimes gets very stressful and competitive at the nationals <laughs> yeah but uh, it's a cool experience and uh, yeah thank you that is that. really that's really yeah. amazing. Um, doesn't first like give out more tickets because oh. there are so many teams. Uh, oh. Wow. I mean, they don't give Germany any tickets, so there's that. Yeah. <laughs> but that's because we're obviously just not even enough teams for a competition. Um, they do give um, two tickets to the Netherlands, which is quite interesting. Um, that that's two because I think they've got forty-five teams. Um and they always compete with German Switzerland uh, Swiss Swiss uh, Swiss is the word. Um Belgian and also Luxembourgian uh teams. Um and all of them have two tickets, which is well that's still just slightly over 50 teams maybe competing. And it's just yeah, it's it's not exactly great. And how are they selected? Like, is it uh, based on the Inspire Award or how mm-hmm. do you do uh, One Inspire Award and one um, Finalist Alliance Captain, I think. Oh, oh actually... Uh, They're winning Alliance Captain. Sorry, I'm confused. <laughs> actually, before last year, we could go to other competitions. Like, a lot of teams in our country went to the Russian National Championships. Yeah, we saw, we saw. Uh, it we get more uh, teams into worlds like that, but after the war, we didn't have that opportunities. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, 
I think Russia, well, we participated there remotely. Um, and that was, it was a slightly weird experience. There were teams from, well, some of the best teams of the Netherlands, Germany, um, and also, I think, Switzerland, um, Romania, obviously, and uh, Russia. And actually, if you look at the scores, also the uh, Dutch teams, like, for example, Pink to the Future, um, and also us were really high up there. Um, all of the awards, all of the second award, all, all of the third place awards, all went to um, teams that were from the same countries as the judges. Oh. Which was, well, I'm, I'm not saying anything. Maybe th there have been reasons for that, probably. But yeah, it's it's just slightly, you know, it, it gives off a weird vibe when it's always the same countries getting I mean, awards and all that. I when mean, so many different people are participating and so many different people are actually getting really good scores. I mean, it looks sort of like uh, a nepotism, but... <laughs> you didn't want to accuse anyone of that, right? Uh, though, so we didn't, we, we didn't go into that further and I think it's most peaceful way to deal with that. Yeah. Um, it was also quite interesting because uh, we also participated remotely in Kaiserslautern um, on the airbase there and they, uh, I'm not even sure whether they wanted video of the matches, um, but they were very, very relaxed with the regulations there. Um, if so, they wanted a video of the best couple of matches. Um, and Russia wanted four cameras um, of every single match, right? So, so, so th that was just the difference there. And actually the people in Kazakhstan also told us that from first, the official regulation was don't control them that much because um, great professionalism and all of that, and we think they are playing fair. Um, and actually, our school Wi-Fi just wasn't good enough to do a video conference with four cameras at the same time. And it, it was slightly problematic at some points, and we decided not to well, compete there remotely, probably again. Um, but yeah. Actually, in our regional championship, it was way worse. Like we had to put six cameras all in exact positions. We had to measure the field each match to make sure that the distance between the wall and the barrier was always the same. Oh, we had to do that too. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, also before and after the match to see that we didn't push the wall it, it was very stressful yeah. for us and we have on we had on the wall some kind of code and we need to we need to show it every match when we're on remote so it's like that it for inspection yeah no, it's mm. match. okay that's really stressful um yeah. i honestly don't get well okay i do get that the regulations are higher because um there's tickets for more teams right and all of that um but it's just not, it, it's just making the experience of participating remotely so much worse. So um, I think um, during the season that I didn't participate, so during Ultimate Goal, um, you guys participated in Canada. Um, yes. And they were really great because they actually still try to have the competition atmosphere. So this really nice atmosphere. So I think they actually had pit visits and all of that. 
um, rem- uh, like online um, and also Kahoot games and all of that. Uh, I actually participated in a Kahoot game there, even though I wasn't on the team that year. Um, but uh, that was, I think, that that was pretty much how a remote competition like that was supposed to go. Um, and it often kind of doesn't. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, thank you for answering to all of our questions. Do you have any more questions for them? No. Um, no. Do you guys have any questions? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm always so, so, um, well, in 10 minutes, I could ask you 20 questions, but this point, <laughs> I'm so bad at that. Um, so yeah, that, that that's a bit of an issue. So I don't have any immediate questions. I think. Yeah. I think we're. So, uh, thank you for coming to uh, talk to us, and uh, it's been really nice talking to you. We hope yeah. to collaborate in the future. Yes, and uh, good luck for this season. And uh, we hope that you enjoyed this hour and something, almost two hours of talking to us. And we hope that we did not bore you or uh, anything. You didn't. So it, it was absolutely great to talk to you guys. Um, thank you for inviting us. And also, uh, good luck for the season. Also, the frog heads are so cute. <laughs> Just wanting <laughs> to mention that. <laughs> frog appreciation. <laughs> so, um, Thanks a lot for this meeting. Uh, it's been honestly great um, with you guys. So we hope to col- collaborate again too. Yes, of course. Thank you. Thank you. Also. Thanks for coming. Bye. Bye. Bye.